from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. No, I think, I think they need to pay people. I mean, to put it most bluntly, when you have unemployment, which in Missouri we all know is 320 a week um, before taxes, and then you add another $600 on top of that per week, you have an, a, a workforce that's finally gotten a taste of getting a little money. And then the state offered um, all of this, the skills training you could ask for. I mean, community college grants, um, tech school grants. You have an, a, a workforce that's finally gotten a taste of getting a little money and they're more educated. Of course, they're gonna do things like get their CDL and go drive semi-trucks for much more money and see their family. I'm Sarah Fenske. Last Thursday, we discussed a big problem with two experienced restaurateurs, Salt and Smoke owner Tom Schmidt and George Mayhe, who is both St. Louis Magazine's dining editor and a former restaurateur, one who counts a young Brad Pitt among his former busboys. The problem is this. Many restaurants simply can't find enough workers. George said it's a universal problem across the metro area. I don't think there's anybody that doesn't have a help wanted sign hanging out of their restaurant right now. It's it's as bad as I've ever seen it. I mean, I've been in this industry a long time. I've been, you know, either operations or, or writing about restaurants for almost 50 years, and, and I've never seen anything like this. It's, it's, it's totally unprecedented. There's one chef that, that put it very aptly. He said it's a reckoning, and it's, it is indeed. We heard from some callers with perspective on the issue. One call that came just a bit too late to put on the air came from Patrick Tagg. Patrick spent about 30 years in the food industry. But, as he told us when we followed up yesterday, he now considers himself a former chef. Patrick explained that he was working at Bush Stadium for the Cardinals food service contractor in 2020. It would have been his third baseball season. Then everything shut down. I was furloughed, um, and obviously if you go from 45,000 fans a game in the stadium to, you know, I think they're allowing just short of 12,000 fans now Mm -hmm. um, at 30% capacity, if you're going to cut your attendance that much, you're going to necessarily have to cut back huge amounts of staff. Mm -hmm. Um, And unfortunately, I was uh, uh, kind of a, uh, a victim in that process. So at the point that they furloughed you, were you offered any sort of benefits? Did you feel like you were taken care of? We had, they covered our health insurance for, I want to say, just short of two months. Um, We got, uh, you know, they they let us take our vacation time essentially as paychecks until it ran out. Mm -hmm. Um, So that, that worked out. And then obviously once you run out of pay, that's when you get, you know, you went on to pandemic unemployment. Um, and so forth. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's a business. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, when your business is, is literally getting zero revenue, you, you can't just pay for everything. Um, and your employees, un- unfortunately, have to share in that responsibility. Mm-hmm. So you got a couple months staying on the insurance, sounds like probably a Correct. couple weeks of, of pay. Um, did you look for other jobs in the restaurant industry at that point? I did. I went on to, um, even even while we were still furloughed, I was trying to find something because I have three small kids and a mortgage and mm. a wife and bills to pay. Um, 
So I started looking even before the buildup of paid time ran out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, very quickly realized that with closures and the county going down to no um, no dining room service and, you know, I mean, just like every, trying to navigate everything that was going on. I mean, the whole industry essentially imploded mm-hmm. in the space of about six weeks. Anybody that was fortunate enough to hang on to their jobs saw a vastly reduced salary and or lost it altogether. And so for you, you said you have three little kids. You know, that's, yep. a, that's a nightmare. What did you end up doing? Mm-hmm. My furlough became permanent in September. Um, and at that time, you know, they, I was issued a severance. And, I mean, they, they did the things that a business is supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I studied for the uh, insurance producer's exam, and I am now uh, a benefits counselor for AFLAC. And I work with individuals and small businesses to um, kind of keep their their workforce healthy and engaged and in the business. So you completely changed jobs. And this is at a point when now, and I realize months have passed, but now everybody is looking for people who have your skill set. Have you been tempted at all to say, yeah, I'll, I'll give restaurants another chance? Not, not at the moment. Um, it, it just, it, it's been so nice to have the time to watch because my kids are five, three, and eight months. Mm. And uh, with the eight-month-old, when we decided to to have another child, I had a really nice job with full benefits. Um, and then by the time she was born, it was all gone. Um, so it's been, it's been refreshing to actually spend time with my kids, where you know it's you're not catching an hour before they go to bed. And a couple of hours on the weekend, you're actually seeing them consistently. I help get my my son ready for preschool and um, make him lunch and all that kind of fun stuff that you don't really get to do in the hospitality industry. It's a very the service industry is is not good unless you have really dedicated planning and boundaries and everything else with your spouse. It's really tough to raise a family in the service industry sometimes, mm-hmm. especially when you're doing something like the baseball schedule, which is completely merciless. It's a fun job, but uh, it, it's it's tough. It wears you down. So there's a lot of talk about why it's so hard to hire good restaurant employees at this point. Sure. You worked in the industry for quite some time. What's your sure. take on that? Do you think it's other people um, in, in that same boat you're in? No, I think, I think they need to pay people. I mean, to put it most bluntly, when you have unemployment, which in Missouri we all know is 320 a week, um, before taxes, and then you add another $600 on top of that per week, mm-hmm. then you have a workforce that has finally experienced having a little bit of money to pay their bills. And then the state offered um, all of this, the skills training you could ask for. I mean, community college grants, um, tech school grants. I myself took some courses on Coursera to, to brush up my procurement and supply chain management skills for because thinking I was going to go right back into a kitchen. So you have a a workforce that's finally gotten a taste of getting a little money, and they're more educated. Of course they're going to do things like get their CDL and go drive semi-trucks for much more money and see their family. I mean, it's it's, when you're still offering the same $11 an hour to a cook that you were before the pandemic, and I'm not saying all employers by any means. I know there are a lot of them out there that are starting off $15, $16 an hour. Mm -hmm. But if you're offering that same $11 an hour that you were before the pandemic, you're not going to get the best 
workforce for that. You, you might get some really passionate young people that are fresh out of culinary school mm-hmm. for that, but you're not going to draw that, that really seasoned cook that might have thought about taking that job a year and a half ago. So when we talked about this last week, George Mayhew of St. Louis Magazine said that he feels this moment is a reckoning for the restaurant industry. It do, absolutely is. Do you think they're, they're, it's getting through to them that this is a wake-up call that they will start paying people more? Or do you think they're going to resist this call? I, I hope it's getting through to them. Um, I really do. I know that um, even before the pandemic, we were trying to figure out how to attract people because before the pandemic, we were dealing with exactly the opposite problem. You know, there was uh, less than, there was sub 3% unemployment throughout St. Charles County and everybody that you knew already had two jobs. You couldn't, you couldn't uh, throw a stick without it hitting somebody that had two jobs already. Hmm. Well, now you have the opposite problem. You have a lot of people that are content to wait it out until people start raising their, their wages and benefits. And one of the things that I've noticed is in my current role, especially for the independents, it's really tough for the independents to raise their wages because it means they have to raise their prices. Mm -hmm. And when they raise their prices, it it puts them out of competition with all of the big chain restaurants and so forth that can afford to suck up a dollar and a half increase in salary, whereas they are having a much harder time doing that. Where I can step in and help those people or where anybody else that does what I do can step in is to kind of differentiate themselves from the next guy. So, I mean, if everybody's offering the same 15 bucks an hour, you know, the thing that separates you is benefits, quality of life, uh, care and respect for your people offering uh, a shift meal, things like that, 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 are, that haven't been done to this point. Hmm. And so you think in terms of benefits going forward, restaurants are going to have to do things like offer health insurance. Yep. Uh, they're going to have to do something. And the, and the thing is, I, like I said, I get it. I've been doing this a long time. I got my first job under the table when I was 14 years old. Hmm. And I'm, I'm in my well-seasoned 40s these days. <laughs> um, so... You know, I've I've seen a lot. I've done a lot. I've been in a lot of different places, and yeah, they're they're going to have to to really do something to separate themselves to draw who they want. There's also a lot of talk about the culture in restaurants that this has been something that has been you know it just burns people out. It chews them up. It spits them out. Do you think this will lead to a kinder, gentler uh, culture for people who are working I, there? I certainly hope so. When I was very young in the business, I had the, I don't want to say privilege because it's kind of the opposite, but it is also a privilege because it taught me how to not be a leader. I worked under a couple of chefs that were very much the uh, yell and scream, uh, throw pots and pans, never give you a day off, run you to death types. And it's like, you've got to pay your dues and you got it this then. Uh, and it was also a very sexist environment when I started out as well. Mm. And to some extent, it still is. So one of my major goals throughout my career was always to never be that guy that yelled and screamed um, to motivate people because it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And then second of all, you're not going to you're not going to be able to, to survive long um, in the current era with you know functioning human resources departments. Um, you're not going to last long acting like that. So everybody thinks about. You know, the angry chef from television that's cursing people out. and that, That's not reality. And if it is, you're probably in the wrong environment. You know, you're, you're in a place with a toxic culture. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, that culture 
is definitely improving. Um, and part of the reason why is because Gen Y and, uh, and Gen Z, they will tolerate it. I think that's a great point. And I think, uh, you know, what we're seeing right now is people are deciding what they will and will not tolerate. And as you say, this may lead to some major changes in this industry that you gave so many years to. Yeah. And I honestly, I think it should, because if we're not learning, if we're not moving forward, I mean, that's what the entire craft is about. Well, Patrick Tagg, um, I want to thank you so much for joining us and sharing your perspective on this. Of course. Thank you for having me. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com.